Longhorn Notebook. And uh, joining us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, the head coach of Texas Longhorn Baseball. Uh, David Pierce joins us now. I appreciate the time, and and people were asking me about uh, breaks and vacation. I know you've had uh, precious little opportunity even to catch your breath, but how how are you doing here uh, come on the uh, tail end of July? Yeah, we're doing well. Craig, thanks for having me. You know, you look up and uh, you finish a season in kind of a gut-wrenching way of finishing, but you look up and uh, everybody comes back to you and, so I hope you enjoy your, your summer, have a great summer, <laughs> you know, get some downtime. And it's kind of crazy because it's the opposite. You just switch gears and you go into recruiting. Uh, recruiting now is, you know, preserving the guys that you've already committed. Also, uh, you know, this thing called the transfer portal now is pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you mix all that in with uh, kind of cultivating relationships with donors to really help increase our NIL position. And it's just very active in a lot of different directions. When you're in season, you're, you got a little more tunnel vision and you're one direction all the time. And now you just kind of bounce from different things and add camp in there. So there's a lot of activity going on and uh, it's just what it is. And so we start slowing down a little bit in August to get a little time off before we uh, bring the new crop in. Would you, would you say, um, uh, well, I guess I should I know the answer is yes, but uh, uh, how much more time now has to be devoted to uh, visiting with, networking with, and educating the donors on this whole NIL process and how they can really help the program and, and how the whole thing works. Would would you say it's a significant amount more time than it used to be for, for you and the staff and visiting with those who are interested in helping out in the whole NIL process as donors? Much more significant. And it's because we're in such an infancy stage of understanding it and our goal through Texas One Fund is really to be very sustainable. And are we at are we a program? Are we a university that's going to really commit to it and do it the right way? I say yes. And so that takes time getting things in place, but at the same time, we're pretty committed to doing it the right way and and really having it to have a, a, a longevity about it versus just trying to go after one or two guys and throw a lot of money. Our goal is to, you know, have a team salary, have enough for our entire roster plus, you know, when we have to go above that. So there's a lot of things that, you know, that are out of my control. But my goal is to really educate the donors. Um, And another piece that we used to never deal with is advisors. So we spend more time speaking to advisors about, I guess you call it their client than ever before. And so that's a, a new piece as well. So, you know, you just have to be adaptable. And I'm very adaptable towards doing what's best for Texas baseball and making it happen. Yeah, no doubt about it. David Pierce, Longhorn's head baseball coach, joining us here on Light the Tower on the Horn. Uh, there were there obviously were several reasons I wanted to have you join us. That was one of them to talk about uh, the, the things of that nature. Uh, let, let me move to your to your roster management because the way the things went uh, with the uh, Major League Baseball draft uh, did did anything ultimately 
surprise you with uh, who was drafted and oh, and or where they might have been drafted and with regard to the signing. I know you're you're really kept in tune with uh, the players. I remember vividly, vividly uh, on the flight home after the, the the final heartbreaking loss at Stanford when we were all flying home. I knew you were you were still doing your duties as a head coach. I remember uh, seeing you walk back a few rows behind me and sit down with a couple of different players at different points and ask them what their thoughts were with the draft coming up. So you had already you'd already started to work that, no question about it. But it, it, how about your impressions of what you saw, where your guys uh, were drafted, and those who chose to sign and those who chose to return? Yeah. So we. Started our exit meetings right on the plane coming back home from Palo Alto because I like to spend a little time with our players then and just kind of get their thoughts from the season, what they really enjoyed, what they feel like we could do better. And it's usually those older kids are in that draft eligible position. And so I tried to knock out a lot of those guys on the plane. And then when you look at the way this thing has kind of evolved, it used to be you know, you continue your recruiting, um, and that that's kind of setting your next couple of years up and then taking care of your kids that are incoming and just kind of paying attention how their summers are going. And then you start all the prep for them coming into the University of Texas and housing and, and, and making sure that they're under compliance and, and their academics are set up. So now you add the portal and immediately – you know, there's thousands of kids in there. So you have to be very selective, very cautious. So we added some really good pieces. So when you look at adding some of those pieces, you also have to hold your breath whether or not they're going to sign. So we go through this process of four to six guys that we added to our program, and then you get into the draft. And so if you project X amount of guys that are going to get drafted and signed, then you look up and you're kind of in the exact numbers where you want to be. And then there's a second wave after the draft of the portal where guys didn't get drafted. Now they're looking for a home. Uh, it's just very interesting and really drawn out. And so we did well in the, in the front end with our transfers. We're still involved and interested in a couple other guys. And then we did really well with the draft. When you look at, you know, Tanner, LBJ, and people go, well, they didn't even get drafted. Tanner got drafted late, but it's pretty smart on their part because they basically say, we're going to set a high number. And if they meet that number, we're going to sign. If they don't meet the number, we want to go back to school. We want to go try to compete for a national championship. And that's really awesome when kids really recognize their abilities and investing in themselves moving forward. So uh, we did well with those two. And then you throw Charlie Hurley in there. I had five guys, those three, plus Lucas Gordon and Travis Staley, I figured if we get one, that's good. If we get two back, that's great. Now we got three. So that's outstanding to get, you know, LBJ Hurley back. And then you throw in a Porter Brown that I'm still a little confused with how he didn't get at least a a free agency. But, you know, the metrics and what they look at and what they can afford – don't always match up. So we're fortunate to get quarterback and then you throw a couple of transfer uh, portal guys that, you know, the Will Rigney kid from Baylor, I think is going to be outstanding for us. Uh, and then you look at, you know, a couple other kids. So 
and a couple of freshmen. We ended up keeping Will Gasparino and Hayden Morse. Um, and the only one we really lost was Travis Sakura, but they met his number and he had a very high number. So it's just very intriguing, but it just, it's kind of like dealing with the stock market. It changes every day hmm. and it can change within hours. And you just, it's almost like watching a ticker board and every day you get five new names. And so you research and go, all right, does that kid fit in? Do we have room for that? Is that a need? So it's constant all the way up until we get our roster set and probably the first week of August. Yeah, and uh, you, you kind of answered the question, I think. I was about to ask you, is there one guy who uh, is coming back who uh, might have surprised you the most with where or not being drafted at all? And it sounds like you were talking about with Porter Brown that that would be the case or at least having an opportunity, although it's been great reading, seeing all the social media posts from Porter about how he's excited about running it back one more time with uh, the folks in Occupy left field and being out there and to have him as a stabilizing force in the outfield I know has to make you happy. No doubt. And I, I, tell, I tell you, it's really gratifying to know that you have older players that have an option to potentially go for professional baseball, but are excited knowing that they have two options and the other being able to come back, finish their education and play another year at Texas. And to me, that just, it just states great. Uh, uh, the culture in our clubhouse is, is so good that, you know, the kids are like, that's fine. I didn't get my number, so I can't wait to get back to school. And so that that's something you should thrive for as a coach to, you know, have those options. And, you know, we dealt with it with Eric Kennedy last year. And you know, I think more than anything, he's a little frustrated with how his season ended. But, you know, he had a hamstring injury that cost him eight weeks and just really never, never got back in the groove. And if you ask him today, do you regret coming back last year? He would say it was absolutely the best thing that could happen to him. So you just never know. You just don't want to force the draft because you get told of age and leverage and things that the professional side do um, make a point to, to uh, you know, the drafted players. And so I just think our kids are doing a good job of doing their homework. Did it um, get – I, I don't know if intriguing, interesting, suspenseful for you during these final days for uh, for Dylan Campbell and, and what was going on with the Dodgers and all that until the Dodgers went above slot to, to pay him the $500,000. Did it get kind of intriguing uh, with, uh, with the way you were following and keeping in touch with D.C. about how all that was going on? I talked to D.C. probably – more than definitely more than any other player. Um, I remember the first conversation I had with him right when we got back, probably a week into the summer. And I said, all right, DC, what's it going to take to get you back? He goes, coach, I need a new set of golf clubs. I'm like, okay, I can buy those personally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it, 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 it's very intriguing because, you know, I think, DC is a great player and is close to a five-tool player that I've had. But when you look at his history, he came on late in 22. He started slow. So if you look at what happened at Globe Life early first weekend, that's when you have a lot of brass, a lot of scouting directors, a lot of people making decisions in the building. And he didn't have a very good weekend. And so at times that first impression 
is what people stick in their head. And he just continued to get better and better and better and finish strong. So I think if you compare him to like a, a Dylan Cruz or Langford from Florida, you're like, they're, they're exceptional players, but I don't think he's far behind either one of them. And I say that honestly, because those guys have been superstars since the high school and Dylan was playing football and toting the football around in greater Houston area and, and then playing baseball. And so his maturation as a baseball player has taken a little longer, but now I think he's an exceptional gift for the Dodgers and I would have loved to have him back, but I'm proud of him and happy for him. Uh, let, let me get your thoughts. Obviously, we're visiting with uh, Longhorns head coach David Pierce talking about uh, his ball club. Uh, it, here we are on uh, July 27th, so uh, it's it's uh, not exactly an equitable question, but in, in your mind, or at least off the top of your head, take me through what you see right now before you even get into fall ball and everybody that is that's on board with your team as you look at it position by position what you think you have right now and the competition at certain positions and uh, certain guys at certain things what what rolls through your mind when you look at your defensive alignment around the field uh much more experienced than last year uh a little bit more set in roles uh, you look at Rylan Galdan who played a very significant role behind Garrett last year but gained a lot of experience but then we also had a kid that was injured in, in Kimball Schusler that is taking huge strides um, in his rehab and his work and his commitment to the team and you, know, you look at Jared Thomas at first base he may end up in the outfield because we have some pretty good options there. Um, Jack looks to be ready to have a great season, but he's going to get pushed by some really good uh, younger players and, and guys that that are, uh, I think, potential to be really good. But Jack has just worked his tail off, and he's one of those guys that you look up and go, he just keeps getting better. He's a sponge, and he has no fear of making adjustments and tinkering a little bit to just try to get better. And I think Jalen Flores got a chance to step in at shortstop and be great. And getting Peyton Powell back is just a, a big get for us as well. And you had Porter in the, in, in the outfield and, you know, the kid Gasparino, and then you throw in Thomas. And then, you know, we've got some other kids that are going to just push them. We picked up a JC kid out of California and another kid from Penn that's a, a local um uh, Austin night and so it's just a lot of intriguing pieces in my opinion with a little extra experience in those positions and the first thing that sticks out in my head though is you know, starting pitching I and mean, you can come back knowing that potentially three weekend starters before you do anything with with LBJ and Hurley uh, that's pretty encouraging no doubt. Um, here, here, a question for you that somebody came in. I know you, you really appreciate the the well thought out cerebral uh, analytical kind of question. And here's somebody that said, with the addition of the portal, have you had to adjust your day to day planning and time management to ensure that you can be more efficient every day? How's that for a question? That's a that's a. <laughs> 
in-depth question for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting because at this time of the year, you have assistant coaches on the road, um, but they have access to the portal. And we don't really just check the 3,000 in the portal. It's it's five names a day that somebody's telling us about a player, and that's from the history of our networking of just having people across the country that kind of knows who I'm, what I'm about and type of player that I want. And then we have a little bit more narrow gap of how we, how we start approaching that. And we, we hit our networks more than anything uh, before, before we start offering and we have film. I mean, there's film on every kid. And so uh, that's kind of the first thing we grab some names and then we just jump into true media or synergy and start looking at those guys and then, start using our networks and our references and kind of narrowing it down. Does that player fit into us and can we afford him? And do we have room for him? And that's the key is just, we've got some really older kids that have not performed or not played as much per se as some other, other players, but they're vital roles in our, in our clubhouse and they make guys around them better and they make this culture work. And so you know, you're just constantly managing that. But on a day-to-day basis, uh, I think our coaches probably communicate that. If it's uh, a group call or a group message, uh, it's constant. So it's it's never a dull moment. It's it's just constant where you're on the phone or texting just about all day. The the, the one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and it was the, the, the announcement uh, came down a couple of days ago, the, the uh, reorganization of the staff and uh, the, the way you've got it set up now, uh, Steve Rodriguez returning again, uh, Caleb Longley is a full-time assistant, Philip Miller back from the special assistant role into that, and getting uh, Tulo back, Tori Tulowitzki coming back as director of player development and having uh, Gordo, Chris Gordon, uh, continuing that role of coordinator of hitting and pitching development. Carly Todd had to kind of do a couple of jobs last year, both as director of operations and that, uh, that director of player development. She'll uh, slide into that uh, a regular transition into being director of operations, uh, and you handling uh, the the primary pitching coach duties. And I wanted to get your thoughts on on these decisions and and how the the staff reorganization came about. Craig, you're just such a Hall of Famer. I mean, I'm impressed that you waited on the back end to hit the staff rearrangement <laughs> and restructuring. That's pretty good. That's pretty good on your part. Hey, you, uh, we always say honestly, it's about the kids first, right? <laughs> that's exactly right, always. Uh, honestly, just it was a very tough and, and stressful time because I loved our staff last year, but I also knew that um, when we brought in Philip in-house, um, it was kind of in projection of what's going to happen next year moving into um, the SEC eventually. But uh, for us to get him back on the field, he's going to stay with the infielders. And, you know, Troy and him worked so well together in the past. And By the way, that's just huge get, just getting too low back. He's just tremendous in the building, um, the things that he offers, the things that he brings to the coaches, things that he brings to the support staff, the players, and – He's just a he's a true professional, and he just knows how to do it right. And so, you know, having his eyes out there is important, and kind of helps me with that that side of the position players. And so, when you look at Caleb, 
this guy's young and aggressive, and I think he's one of the future um, big-time coaches, but also loves to recruit. And recruiting is not always fun. And he's young, he's got a lot of energy, and he loves being out in the field. And so primarily as the coordinator, but at the same time, everybody's going to be involved in recruiting. But he did a good job with our outfielders in hitting as well. And so he also has a good relationship with Tulo. So you put those three together, you know, Rod's a baseball coach. He can he can do a lot of different things and wear a lot of different hats. So I actually went to him just recently and said, why don't you move into the catching, and then that coordinates with me a little bit more with pitching catching, and I think it could be a good marriage and how how we set that up. But honestly, we were just when you look at the staff, we were pitching heavy. Uh, Gordo does such a great job of preparing us, um, and then you know I've done this pitching thing for so many years and I love it. But, you know, you always try to feel like, right, I need to manage more. I still manage, and I'll still be involved in everything. But I just think primarily I, I feel real comfortable of, of getting back in the bullpen and working a lot more one-on-one with our pitchers. Uh, it's just something that that I've always enjoyed. I've been a pitching coach since '06, and continue doing that as a head coach through my first two years here. And so I just felt like for the best – situation for our players that creates the best structure for our staff and you mentioned Carly she's done such a great job in all the roles that she's been in uh, you know she started out as the SID and then moved into director of player development and then you know when we were one person short last year uh, she did a tremendous job double dipping her and her and Philip as well and so now she's moving back into you know, more of a conventional ops position uh, and sliding too low in that uh, director of development. And so it's just a lot of good pieces. Uh, it's not as big of a change as everybody's probably thinking, um, but I think it's going to coordinate really well for our team. Let me ask you this. I know uh, other folks are wanting facts. Somebody just texted in as well, but I, I had it uh, on my list. Are you still going to be uh, – out there dodging line drives in the third base coaching box, or do, or have, have you made a, 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 a an adjustment there as well? You know, I love coaching third base, and it's interesting. I have this one guy that sits above the third base dugout. <laughs> Every time I run out there, it's like, be aggressive today, Dave. And I'm thinking, what does that really mean? Because <laughs> if the if if the the defense allows it, the pitching allows it, uh, we're always aggressive, but um, I do enjoy that part, and I feel like I see the game a little, a little bit better from calling the offensive side. But I'm probably going to relinquish those duties, uh, either Philip or to Rod or uh, maybe Caleb. Just I, I think Philip's kind of the front runner there. He's been around me long enough to know how I like to operate that, and then I'll be involved in a lot of the decision making, but. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna retire myself from third base. Yeah, well, uh, at, at least we still get you healthy because uh, there were some times in the last two years I was a little concerned. I mean, you did a you did a good job, deftly and dodging and doing as I said on the broadcast, the dosy do, getting away from some of those foul balls. Uh, that was uh, that was something out. I mean, all right, does that become also a clear and present signal to you going? 
You know, maybe I'm getting a sign here that maybe there's a time to make a move on that deal. And what's your fault? I got to get with Coach Couch and start working my agility if I'm going to stay out there because, I mean, these guys are hitting the ball hard. And uh, I see it well. It's just sometimes that depth perception kind of messes me up. Uh, I quit trying to fill ground balls over there just because I, I. uh, I just try to get out of the way of everything, but yeah, it's probably time. Okay. Hey, uh, I appreciate you doing this, and uh, I look forward to seeing you around the corner, and and I hope you and Susan get a little bit of time off anyway before this thing ramps up again with fall practice in the fall. But I appreciate you uh, taking a few minutes to join me this morning. Oh yeah, we're gonna take a little time next week, um, see my granddaughters, and just uh, enjoy a week with them. But all's good. We appreciate you guys, and. Um, Looking forward to our, our, our fall sports and being a supporter of our other coaches, man. Our coaches do such a great job. And, you know, I think we do a great job of supporting each other as well. And I think that also helps the department and, and, and players supporting players. So it's a good spot. Um, proud of everything. And so ready to move forward. Hey, I got to ask you one more thing. And you were down and you and I didn't get a chance to see one another at coaching school, but there you were in Houston and you and your brother-in-law doing doing a session. You you and uh, Gary Kubiak, uh, for <laughs> folks who didn't know, is is uh, coach Pierce's brother-in-law and you were doing you were doing a a, a, a session and I was at the time doing a, a panel discussion thing with Mac Brown and I didn't get a chance to be there uh, for the thing. But of course, he's here's the things I heard. One uh, I heard uh, that uh, Jeff Howe told me he ruined the whole thing by asking you a, a, a nuts and bolts staff question and and a roster question. Yeah, immediately. He didn't waste any any time on that, and he readily admits that. But I also heard it was a real entertaining and engaging type of thing. So, I mean, what, what, how did that all come about? I mean, other than obviously the coaches association being in touch with you guys about you and your brother-in-law doing that session. Yeah, it's interesting because Coach West is in in charge of getting all the speakers, and uh, he was the head coach at Brenham. Actually, just got inducted in the Hall of Fame for uh, Texas high school football. A uh, really good man, great coach. But he he reached out to me and asked me if I'd be interested in doing something for the baseball coaches because they're now creating an extension of the spring sports and the summer camp in the summer clinic and. And so we started talking, and he knew Gary's my brother-in-law. He goes, man, Gary did this for us five years ago, and he was exceptional. And so I'm, the whole time we're talking, trying to figure out what topic he would like me to speak on. And so I said, hey, what about this? I said, what if we had an Aggie football guy and a Longhorn baseball guy <laughs> and just in a Q&A on leadership? And he goes, Coach, if you can pull that off, that would be tremendous. And so I reached out to Coop, and he was all for it. Um, and then we reached out to Mark Berman, who has just retired with the Houston Fox Sports. And so the three of us just kind of pieced it together and sort of winged it. But uh, I thought it went well. But it was just more about, you know, how we kind of bounce things off of each other and how you utilize people that you respect that can help, help your program. And Gary's definitely been uh, one of those guys for me. No doubt. Hey, uh, David, thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it, and uh, I hope you enjoy a little bit of downtime. Look forward to seeing you around the corner. And, and again, uh, thanks for joining me this morning. All right. I appreciate you. Take care. All right, you bet. That's David Pierce, uh, Longhorns 
head baseball coach.